Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Start of another season in the National Hockey League. The Calgary Flames get ready to get things going tomorrow, but still a lot to talk about. Uh, the final practice before leaving for Winnipeg for their season opener tomorrow against the Jets. So many storylines. Welcome into Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein and Logan Gordon with you today. Let's get right to it and chat with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius. Flames insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Labardius. How are you today? Oh, I'm fired up. I've got oh, how could you not some, be? I've got some juice running through the old veins. <laughs> Maybe just that tad extra than normal today. I'm so I'm great. Oh, looking forward to it already. Um, so the, the Flames blessing us with uh, something to talk about as uh, as we start the hit today. As the final practice before leaving for Winnipeg, they have the uh, the line combinations have been released. Uh, it is as follows: Kachuk, Lindholm, Dubé, Goudreau, Monahan, Levo, Manjapani, and Backlund with Ryan and Simone um, alternating on the right side, and then Lucic, Bennett, Nordstrom. On the blue line, it is Giordano Anderson, Hannafin Tanev, Valamaki Nesterov, and then Mackie and Shillington. Uh, Mr. Labardius, anything from uh, that group stand out to you? Lots. Lots in this regard, and yet we don't specifically have all the answers because things can definitely change, as you know, on a daily basis, especially COVID-wise, between now and tomorrow night when the puck drops. I'll begin this way. So let's talk about Eric Ryan as a perfect example. So Brad Treleving told us yesterday, both with Patty and Will and Logues in the afternoon and on the Zoom media availability, that despite the waiver situation, as we've talked about, Mr. Klein, that Eric Ryan has lots of potential to be a really, really important piece. So... Here's the interesting part for me, starting with Derek Ryan. So if indeed it is he and not Dominic Simone, tomorrow in Winnipeg against the Jets, here's how I see that decision. So think about the type of people, and we'll really get into the matchups tomorrow because they're significant. But what does Derek Ryan do well? Well, he's versatile. He kills penalties. And he gives you a right-handed option in terms of taking face-offs. In the Winnipeg Jets, you are playing a team that up front, as you know, Mr. Klein and Mr. Gordon, they have weapons and lots of weapons. So this, to me, is already a perfect example of we're going to talk about opening night, but you have options. And we don't even know for sure how they're going to go. So when I think about the structure of Derek Ryan, now I have somebody to take strong side face-offs with Michael Backlund, play on the wing, really responsible, probably is if he's not in your first set of penalty killers up front, then he's coming at you next. So for this matchup, potentially, now you have options to deal in particular with the Jets. So you've moved Levo from where we've seen him the last couple of days 
with Gaudreau and Monaghan. And that, to me, becomes more of a, if you will, to make it simple, maybe more of an offensive-minded group. And with Dubay, Lindholm, and Kachuk, which we've talked a lot about the reconstruction, that is the grouping now that, in many ways, gives you different options, different depth, and then it becomes about utilization. But against the Jets, you're going to see, I would guess, a lot of the Backlund line and a lot of the Lindholm line to go up against the Shifley line and the Stastny line. And then the other group is a true, you know, physical, heavy line that could help turn the tide that way when you think about Bennett in the middle, Lucic, and Nordstrom. As far as the defense, no surprises. The goalie, no surprises. The pairings (laughs) and the goalie that we thought. But for this hockey team, starting tomorrow night, we will be in constant conversation on this show about forward groups going forward. Pairings and how things are going to settle out, particularly in some ways on the right side, depending on who you play and how your players are playing. Hope that sets it straight a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another part of the conversation with the the lines this year, and this is part of the, the flexibility the Flames have, you're playing all of these teams a ton this year. Mm-hmm. And if you have that flexibility, you can give the Jets a bit of a different look game one to game two to game three to game four. Like you can you can mix things up against these teams and give them different looks that they haven't prepared for from you before. I think that versatility could help this year. Peter, here's how I would simplify it. When you become an elite team or truly one of the better teams in the National Hockey League, going into matchups, you know what the focus becomes? It becomes how you have to deal with us rather than all the focus is on how you're going to deal with your opponent. And for the first time in a long time now, again, we're going to get to a clip that probably says it best. We still have a lot of unanswered questions, right? And Mm -hmm. have we not talked this week about it's when you have more questions answered than asked is when you know you're headed to the right place. So not unlike the general manager of this team who's spoken on this front, yes. Does he like his depth? Absolutely. Does he like his options? Yes. And as you'll hear from him, though, I still don't have all the intel. And that, as we'll hear now, is the next part of the equation. Like, I look at our team and I think I think we've got some depth. Now, that's got to get proven out, right? We can talk about everything and think this, this, we, we've got this or we got that. Until, until, until you see it, it's got to, until we perform, we hope, that we, we hope that it, that's a strength. But that means people have got to play at the highest level they can. Having said that, if, if, if people do, um, yeah, I mean, it means that we, we, I think everybody on this team is here for one purpose and that's to have success and to win. And, uh, you know, however, however that gets accomplished, that's the, the objective. So 
Um, I think our team, and we've talked about that even in our opening meeting, was when you look at our roster right now, we've got to sort out where, where a few people fit. But at the end of the day, if things go the way we hope they're going to go, that means that we're going to have a deeper roster and, and, and we're going to have more, you know, more people, um, you know, that are contributing. Part of that depth, too, with the, the Flames, and not necessarily an off-season acquisition that adds to that depth, but if Sam Bennett can play center, that can certainly change things depth-wise as well. And that is where he stacks up, um, at least with this these lines that we have here today. And the, the utilization of Sam Bennett, I think, is going to be very fascinating as the season plays out. Well, it most certainly is. So he was a stellar performer in the playoffs this summer. Five goals, eight points, plus four, 15, nearly 16 minutes a game, 54 hits. You could make a pretty solid argument, couldn't you guys, that he was arguably as good as any Flames playoff performer that there is. Now, with more depth and more options becomes the utilization question. And what we're going to see with this hockey team, and we've already talked about it, is where it starts will not be potentially where it finishes. Because you have all kinds of people, including Sam, who you want to move around or could move around. Part of it for Sam is where is he fit? And how do you use him in a way that he gets enough time to be utilized to be at his best but isn't that the next part of the sam bennett question is we have always come to know now what to expect in the playoffs do we have regular season sam bennett completely ironed out uh no not even a little bit (laughs) So with everybody, when you have a deeper group, whether it's Bennett, whether it's Gaudreau and Monaghan, whether it's the newcomers, has there ever been better internal competition around here for quite some time? I would say no. Uh, no would- there's, there, there were times where we couldn't fill out four lines, and now we're having trouble fitting everyone into four lines. Well, if I had a mic in my hand rather than a phone, Mr. Klein, I might drop it and say goodbye. We'll talk tomorrow. (laughs) Because what you just said, to me, simplifies it beautifully. I'm not sure that a whole lot else, and of course we will, because there's other things to keep chatting about it. It's fascinating, and again, can't wait to see how it works in a different season with you know, an ongoing health watch every single day that can change the scope of your lineup and whether you can play in one heartbeat. But this team, and it's paper, and you don't win games on paper, it's the Calgary Flames. Here's how I best describe it. The Calgary Flames went in the off season, and they hired the Property Brothers. For those of you that are somewhat familiar with home renovation shows. So they like their foundation for the most part, 
but they wanted a new look and a refresh. They've got a refresh. Now I can't wait to see how it truly looks. And I think everyone in Flameland has to understand, you better be flexible in how you look at it, including the players themselves. Chatting with Peter Labardius, our Flames insider here on Hockey Central and Noon Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. This doesn't just apply to the Flames tomorrow night, Lou, but maybe to the schedule as a whole starting tonight. What kind of hockey are you expecting to see when we drop the puck in about three hours and 15 minutes in Pennsylvania? Are we expecting it to be a a bit of a a sloppy start? We haven't had preseason games. It's been a a short training camp. I mean, some teams haven't played in, in 10 months. I don't expect a lot different than probably what we saw very early, especially opening night for everybody, Logan, where the intensity will be fantastic. The importance with the shortened schedule and you're playing the same opponents all the time, throw some old storylines into the mix, like the summer. I was I never had a question about the intensity. What I do believe you'll see for a while is when execution catches up to intensity so i do expect more mistakes depending on your team you haven't had the time you talked about you haven't you know you haven't gone up against an opponent yet so that comes with a very different level in terms of you know how you compete and how physical you are and how you go about your business but isn't it exciting as all get out when you add all those combinations And in a 56-game schedule, if that's hopefully everybody is able to play that and they can, I'm the easiest sell in the world when it comes to sports and competition. I'm not sure I've ever been this intrigued ever about any form of a National Hockey League season. Because from a personal standpoint, I would handpick this myself. I would handpick it. I love the the all-Canadian connotation. I love the potential for building of rivalries. I love the fact, and, you know, another great clip that I heard from Brad yesterday is, you know what? It's like being in New York. You're on Broadway at 8 o'clock every night. There might be a couple of matinees here and there, you better be ready for showtime because every night, every night is going to have storylines. It's going to have great competition. It's going to have the uniqueness of a baseball style type schedule in many cases with some three and four and even for some teams, five straight games in a row. Three words, bring it on. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, the excitement level is, is palpable. You can feel it. It just feels it's not. There's nobody here at the station, but me. So maybe it's just my own excitement. But I'm excited for <laughs> it. I'm counting down the the hours till I can flip over the TV here and, and watch that that uh, game coming up this afternoon. And this is a bit of a an, un, maybe an unfair question because it's such a different year and you haven't been able to to be around the team like you normally have, Lou. But I'm curious what you've made of or what you made of training camp as a whole 
with Jeff Ward getting the reins this year. And did you notice any similarities from the return to play? Was this him putting his own stamp on it? And I, like I said, I know that's that's sort of unfair because it's not a as long as a training camp as we usually get, and B you guys are, are stuck in the second bowl and that's really as close as you get to it. But what were your overall observations of training camp and how Jeff and the uh, coaching staff handled it? I don't think it's unfair at all, Logan. I see a group with a way more business-like approach. And I think Jeff and his outstanding coaching staff really made some of those changes in approach and feel, and it's what led to some success in the summertime. The hard part to assess is what the whole conversation has been about. It's the newness of your team. So think about all the new pieces. You have a new goalie who's going to play a huge and prominent role. Tomorrow night, you have three new defensemen on the back end. And then you have three or potentially four new forward options. So when the number gets to seven some nights out of 18 or six out of 18, when you remove the goalie, let's not miss the fact that this, like I said, this has got some property brothers written all over it. This is not the same team as the summer. It has it has a lot of the same core pieces, but in terms of the evaluation and the question that you asked, I, I do. I see a different group. I see a more business-like group. I see a team with better options. And I think what's driving the business is this, internal competition. In our worlds, whether it's me, you, Logan, You, Mr. Klein, anyone. When we feel like there's somebody on our tail that can take minutes, opportunity, money away, you don't think that doesn't heighten your awareness and heighten your work level? And if it doesn't, that's what the great separator now for this group is. Players, in certain cases on this team might have to understand that what's gone on in the past in terms of role, responsibility, and utilization, oh boy, we might have some other places to go with those minutes. That's the difference for me. And I, I just, I, I really can't wait to see how this all plays out with this Flames group. And like you said, the the internal competition that that's been here before, and a couple guys like not just the thirteen forwards here. Like there, there's probably nice Buddy Robinson's going to make an appearance, and who steps out because of him? And like this, there are so many of these options. I can't wait to see it from a, a Flames perspective. Uh, just one one non Flames uh, related question for you. Obviously, they're going to be the focus of these hits and the focus of this radio station for the the next however long the Flames are in it. Um, but is there a, a non-Flames team that you're more excited than other teams to, to see this year? Oh, I love this question. I love this question. It's I don't have an easy answer. Let's just stay in the North Division. Fascinated by the Montreal Canadiens. Fascinated by the Montreal Canadiens. I like what they've done with their reconstruction project. 
I particularly like what they have now assembled in their top four on defense with the addition of Joel Edmondson and the fact that Ben Sherratt, after leaving Winnipeg and joining Montreal, you know, with more added responsibility and fit, you know, I really like, needless to say, the Canadians in goal. I, I like their top four. Um, you talk about guys that I can't wait to see, and, and let's continue to talk about these kind of guys all year on this hit. As you guys know me well enough to know, there's there's nothing that really intrigues me more than, you know, the players who come into the league that I've had lots of opportunity to watch, you know, whether it's with my own two eyes or internationally or, you know, wherever these two eyes go in a lot of different places. So a guy like Alexander Romanov, who was fabulous for the Russians at the World Junior, not this go-around, but in Ostrava in the 2020 tournament, who I am very, very high on. Um, you know, the Canadians rank really high on a lot of people's radar with Anderson and, you know, the emergence of Suzuki and what Kotkaniemi did in the summertime. Um they're a very new-looking group themselves, not unlike the Flames in some ways. So Montreal might be, you know, number one in the fascination portfolio. Yeah, I, I, I'm so fascinated by that team. They would probably be my number one um, as well. Like, if if they can get NHL production from one of those young kids down the middle, that team becomes real good real real quick but the, this north division is gonna be a lot of fun lou tomorrow we're gonna have a flames game to preview as we get ready for the jets i can't wait sir have a good rest of the day okay you guys too always enjoy it have a flames good insider peter lubardius brought to you by the gemini group home renovations your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are give your home the gemini difference the gemini group now offering air miles reward miles visit geminigroup.ca God, those are going to be fun chats to have all season long. Uh, thank you again to Peter Labardius for joining us. If you want to get in on the convos with Lubo every week, the mailbag is back. Send in your questions to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if yours was answered. If it was, you're getting 100 bucks to Ruth's Chris to use once everything opens up again. What a way to celebrate um, when things finally open up and we're getting closer to that light at the end of the tunnel with a hundred dollars to Ruth's Chris winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, Christopher Stieg with an interesting perspective on the North division here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. From the iconic studio powered by iconic electric and controls. This is trending now. It's the day hockey fans have been waiting for as the NHL regular season officially kicks off today with five matchups. It all gets going at 3.30 this afternoon with a battle of Pennsylvania over on Sportsnet 1 between the Flyers and Penguins. Then at 5 p.m. across the Sportsnet television network, it's game one of the all-new Canadian division as the Leafs host Montreal. Other matchups include the Lightning beginning their title defense against the Blackhawks, while the Oilers host the Canucks at 8 p.m. The night ends off with an 8.30 puck drop between the Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. For the Flames, it's a practice day after finishing up a shortened training camp. The team is set to fly out to Winnipeg, where they will open up their regular season tomorrow night against the Jets. While in Detroit, the Red Wings have named 24-year-old Dylan Larkin as the 37th captain in team history today. 
Larkin is just the fourth Red Wings captain in the past 34 years. Henrik Zetterberg last wore the C for Detroit back in 2018. And the Toronto Blue Jays announced today they have agreed to a five-year extension with President and CEO Mark Shapiro. Shapiro joined the Blue Jays back in 2015, succeeding Paul Beeston. The Blue Jays returned to the playoffs last season for the first time since 2016. And the Denver Broncos have named George Patton as the team's new general manager. It's a six-year deal for Patton, who had spent the past 14 years with the Minnesota Vikings as the team's assistant GM. You're listening to the home of Calgary Flames Hockey. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are now just three hours away from the start of the National Hockey League season and a day away from the start of the season for the Calgary Flames. Welcome back to Hockey Central at noon. This is a season like no other. The North Division gets going at 5 o'clock tonight with the Leafs and the Habs. And in the late game, it's the Canucks and the Oilers. For a preview on the division and just how fun this is going to be, uh, here is Chris Versteeg with the guys of the morning show earlier today. We're trying to figure things out, Chris. It's the start of the NHL season. We're... We're putting money down and we're predicting all kind of stupid, uh, stupid things. But thanks for for being here. We talked. We got Rhett Warner back on the show this week, and earlier this morning he was kind of reminiscing about his first game day. The first, the start of the seat for him went from junior straight to the NHL. Got in, played opening day. Um, you're not that far removed. I guess I'll start here. Is this your first? Or, or, or second, how many now opening nights for you now has it been that uh, that you're out of the league? Well, this will be my third, 2017-18. No, no, yeah, with uh, the Flames was my last season. Because you went, so. but then you went to training camp with Chicago, right? You were in a camp. Yeah, last year. Last yeah. year I was. So I had opening night in the minors uh, down in Rockford last season. Actually, it was nice. So that was my last true, I guess, opening night as a professional hockey player. So how are you today? Um, I'm good. I, I don't miss the game necessarily. I just miss being around the guys. It's, it's just being around guys like-minded, same goals, same aspirations as you. That's the hardest part is, uh, the bus rides, uh, talking and just BSing with people. Um, again, like-minded, same goals. So those are the hardest parts as for being hit and playing. I don't really miss that right now. I think that's it, it, from, from the, from the very top, from the elite level down to, guys like like me or whoever playing beer league it's about the room it's about the buddies and the bench and the room and all that the hockey's kind of whatever but it's around being with the pals and at the nhl level obviously you're so you're so tightly uh connected did you think you'd feel this way did you feel like you'd maybe miss it a little bit more or when it was over you you kind of kind of like Rhett, you had a little bit of a chance to see it coming it didn't surprise you i guess yeah it wasn't surprising at all i I prepared for it over my last year in Calgary. I really did because I knew, you know, my hip and all the stuff that you got to go through in order just to get through a season. It was something that I was preparing for, starting to understand what I maybe need to do after the game as well. So it wasn't that I got this career-ending injury and it was abrupt like some other friends I've had where it'd be, you know, a lot tougher. So I can see it coming. Today is still hard in the sense that you still want to play hockey because you have that competitiveness in you. It's the ups and downs I just couldn't go through anymore at the end of the day where, you know, you haven't scored in a few days and maybe the media starts to get on you. 
uh, and then you're showing up for a morning skate and you can barely move your leg because your hip hurts. Just little things like that, they start to add up throughout the season and it creates an up and down flow. It's a roller coaster, right? And that's really where I couldn't go through it anymore. So do you have an opening day memory or a story that when you think back, because you played, you played enough, a story that for what might be an interesting one or one that stands out or means something to you? No, none, none really. I, I really, it was just, I guess the first one in 2000, my first true one was 2008 in Chicago. Uh, and we got to do a little red carpet. It was kind of, everything was rolled out. So you felt like a rock star. That was a, that was really nice. Chicago always does something. It was a red carpet service into the game. So uh, the guys actually got pretty jacked up for that. I still remember they brought us around in limousines and each guy got to come out and walk the red carpet. I know it kind of sounds silly, but at the time when you're 22 years old, it's pretty exciting stuff. And you win in 2010, but you're not there for the banner raising, right? I, I, I've won two Stanley yeah. Cups. I haven't seen one banner raising. I haven't been to the White House once. I've been traded within basically weeks of each Stanley Cup. So, yeah, those that, I've, I've never got to see the banner raising, and everyone always tells me it's one of the most incredible moments. So... Oh man, one day I might have to come back just as a, as a scout, just to you know throw me on one of those top teams as a scout, so I can come back and see the banner raising the next year. That is crazy because I knew it. I knew for sure it happened right when there were you were not alone. There were a lot of guys who were on that cup winning team in in 2010 and then had to uh, start the season elsewhere. How how many guys was it from that team? Like five or six? No, it was eleven. It was eleven. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, between Ladd, Bufflin, myself, Sopel, uh, Colin Fraser, Adam Bursch, Ben Eager, Jeez. you can keep going. So there's a lot of guys that had to shift. And it was, it, I mean, I know talking about the guys, some of us had an opportunity to go to the White House the 2011 season. I was playing, so I wasn't able to, but some of the other guys were able to fly in. I believe Bursch still made it from uh, Dallas, I think he was in. Yeah. So, um, a couple guys got to go, but most of us didn't. I remember me and Nick Boynton talked about possibly going because he was another guy who didn't come back, and we didn't get a go. Back when that was uh, – now guys are skipping it all the time. That was kind of back when it was uh, it was a neat thing, something that you wanted to do was to go to the White House. I don't know how it, uh, how it is anymore. Um, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would like just to go see it as, you know, sure. uh, just to see the White House. I've never been there, and I'm sure every athlete in there – uh, who gets to see just you know the main the main house in America? It's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool moment. So I'll ask you. It's it's kind of a we'll, we won't put you through the full paces of the predictions, but we'll start with the Canadian division. Who's who's winning this division this year? I think Toronto, I, and I think is generally not a very good way to start off a sentence, but Toronto would be my best bet. My four teams I have in the Canadian division are Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, and, and uh, Montreal. I don't have Vancouver in. I know a lot of people have Vancouver finishing the second or third, but I don't have them in. Toronto, to me, has the the most elite team on paper. Do they have the best team? I don't know, but I think they have the players that can win them the division. Calgary, I like as a whole. I like their defensive group. And Edmonton, if you have two superstars and you can't make the playoffs, then if you're those superstars, it's time to ask out at some point in the next couple of years. Jeez. Put a little fire under the fan base to the north of us. This this is what we love. Good stuff. I mean, if 
if you're 24, 25 and you're Connor McDavid and you see nothing in the future, at some point, at some point, you got to get yours. Yeah. That's – what would be the breaking point? Missing the playoffs this year? It's got to start to become a breaking point. Just as you look into Buffalo for Jack Eichel, they're trying to do things for these guys. But as you know, the players now, these guys are get so good so young. And uh, it's almost like the high end, it, it starts to go off. You know, before his players play into their 30s, now the high end starting to go into the tw- late 20s. Not to say Connor McDavid will, he'll be great into his 30s too. Ovechkin's been able to do it in Crosby. But these players, if they see no end in sight and they're 24, 25, 26, and they don't see the back end, these young players starting to help and emerge them into the, the top echelon of teams. Like So say Leon Dreisaitl at 25 now, Connor McDavid 24, and these guys truly don't see these young guys help pushing them over the top when they're 26, 27, 28, then yeah, you got to start looking elsewhere to get you onto a team that can win you a championship. Do they have enough goaltending there? What are, you th- what are your thoughts on Koskinen? He's a guy that's had uh, wildly varying seasons and uh, got paid right quick since coming over from uh, the cave under Shirelli. Well, their goaltending is, to me, yeah, it's not strong enough, but that doesn't worry me like their defense worries me. Their goaltending is minuscule compared to a defensive corps that cannot win you a Stanley Cup. Their D needs significant upgrading in all aspects. They don't have a true number one. They don't even have a true number two, I believe. Adam Larson is a really, really good defender, but he needs to be with a true number one, and they don't have that there. So their defensive corpse, for me, is not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. The way, the way they're going to make the playoffs, though, is just because they have the two best players on the planet, number mm-hmm. one and number number four. I still have Hedman and McKinnon ahead of Dreisaitl, but they have the number one to me and the number four best players on the planet who can drag them into the playoffs but to get them winning round after round they need a defense they need other guys to stabilize them that insulates them and they just don't have that cloth bomb out for the year doesn't help either right um Montreal's, gonna, let me just sure, ask i was just gonna say so what about toronto's d then because i how much where does edmonton's defense and in toronto start it's jake muzzin's their number one morgan, yeah, yeah, morgan riley's their number one but i mean it's you have, I think you have three defense in Toronto better than the top defensemen in Edmonton. Yeah, I agree. Right? So you, I even would put Brody. Brody would be darn near close the best D-man in Edmonton. Like truly, as I know he's not elite offensively like Barry. He might not be fully elite. He's not, and, and Darnell Nurse might be a good defender. But I think overall you got a D-man who could help a team more like Brody. Uh, and you have other guys, Hall, that can kind of fit around these guys better. Ethan Bear, like like Broberg, too, he's a defenseman coming up. I think he can be good. Uh, Ethan Bear is a good defenseman. Again, Adam Larson, I believe. He could be a number two if he's got an elite number one, but he probably slots in as a second D pairing. And, and Clef Baum, too. So I don't know. I just I see the top D-man. Morgan Riley's better than any defenseman. And same with Jake Muzzin. Those two are hands down better than any D-man on Edmonton. Montreal's kind of been a, a, a sexy pick so far in the new year. And when people are doing predictions, I've seen a lot of people very high on their offseason. They've added a lot of depth. They get to Foley. Uh, the Josh Anderson deal is a major push chips in for Bergevin. What have you thought of their offseason? I agree. I like their offseason. And the other thing which I think is making them a sexy pick is that 
Kakiniemi and Suzuki probably played better in the playoffs than they're going to give you during the regular season over 56 games. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to get into the playoffs, but also the guys that they're insulating these guys now around them are better. Their defense seems to be strong. Um, Shea Weber is playing still at an elite level. He's not been given near enough credit for what he's can, he's capable of doing. Do I think they're good enough to win a Stanley Cup? No. Do I think they're better than other teams in the division? Yes, because of the guys now insulating. Tyler Toffoli, they've also picked up. And these guys help their group. Do they have elite, elite top-end forwards? No. But they have good enough forwards to get them to the playoffs and be a dangerous team and, and, and also win some rounds possibly. And I'll just ask you, going back to Chicago, because you know these guys very well, Jonathan Taves not playing. How do, How's... Keith and Kane feeling as they get started tonight? Because this does not look like it's going to be a good year for the Hawks. It's a rebuild, and I don't know how hungry you are to be a part of a rebuild once you've tasted the success that they have had. What's going through well, their heads? I made this this um, call on XM the other day. They were asking me who the worst team in the league is. I had Detroit a few weeks ago until you find out that Taze and Doc aren't in. I would have had them around the 27th to 25th place team. But without Taze and Doc, there is, to me, at the moment, they're the 31st place team. <laughs> and if you're looking that as Kane, as Keith, I don't know. I have not talked to them again. I'm doing analysts. I'm not an insider. I don't want to be prying into these guys, and I don't want them to think I'm prying because I'm not because I want to make true observations of their team. To me, they're the 31st place team. Don't, another reason is the way that they they play the game, the way the team plays the game. They give up way too many grade A's. They're not strong enough defensively to give up that grade A's. So coaching-wise, they need to change the way they play. And if you're looking at that as Kane and Keith, if you're, uh, I guess, talking with Stan and understanding the direction of the team, which to me it's a true rebuild now, you got to make a decision. And if you're Stan and you're being up front saying, hey, I'll move you guys, uh, because we're rebuilding, or do you want to stay and, and stay through this rebuild? Then it's up to Keith and Kane on what they want to do. So if, if they're going to go through the bumps and they're not going to be very good over the next few years, but they're been up front and told that this is a true rebuild, then it's on Keith and Kane. But if they're told, hey, it's time for you, we're going to move you guys if you want to be moved, then again, it's on Stan to try to move these guys and hopefully get, work out something for the Blackhawks and for Keith and Kane. What's your gut tell you? Does it say you know them all? Well, if I'm if if I'm Patrick Kane, and I get a move anywhere in the league, I'm going to the New York Rangers. Personally, I'm going to the Rangers. The Rangers have enough pieces to move. That's a place that has the limelight on. Kane loves the he loves the limelight. He plays better than any player in our history of our game in high pressure situations, and the Big Apple can do that. I think it'd bring out a great. It would bring out great hockey in Patrick, and it would be a great uh, fit for him as Artemi Panarin's already there. But again, they have the pieces to do it. If I'm Patrick, that would be a place I would I would like to go. Um, for Duncan Keith, I don't know where he wants to go. I don't know what he wants to do. But there's there's a lot of great fits for him as well. Wow, it's not hard to fit him in somewhere. Now, uh, the the folks in Buffalo are now annoyed with you. So Kaner's not going to Buffalo? <laughs> He's from Buffalo. I mean, you want to play for your hometown team, don't you? Come on, Buffalo. That's limelight. He'll get yeah, lots Jack, of attention. Jack Eichel could yeah. be good too, but I, I still feel <laughs> I, like you look at Chicago, 
top generating revenue team, high end team in the league, American club. And I know Buffalo too, but if, if I'm looking as to where these teams are possibly going in the next year to three years, I'm going to New York. You talked about Chicago struggling this year. Colin Dahlia and Malcolm Subban is going to be their duo in net. That is, uh, that's a changing of the guard to say the least, and I don't know that it'll last long with those two. What's the plan in net? Yeah, I I know Kevin Lankinen too. He's a really good goaltender. He's a really good goaltender. I think we're going to start to hear about a lot in Chicago. Is he a true number one NHL goalie? I don't know. I think Collins a very good goalie as well, as he might be an NHL backup. Do they have any starters in the future? That's still wait to be seen. So I, that's another kind of area the game for Chicago what's going to be interesting Matt Tompkins who's another goaltender in the minors is a player that everyone should watch out for he's a really good goalie played for us in the Spengler Cup last year I played with him so they have good goaltenders are they going to be NHL starters I don't know more like NHL backups is a possibility but the game is a a, you know you're going to play two goalies now in today's game a 30-50 or 40-40 generally 45-40 you know 35 so it is it is interesting to see. I still think Kevin Lankinen can be a really good NHL goalie. Matt Tompkins can be good. And Delia can push possibly for a backup one day. But I'm excited to see which goalie emerges into the NHL roles in Chicago. Do they need a starter? No, because they're going to be the 31st place team. So go with what sure. they have, play who they have, and don't worry about going out and getting an NHL starter. See if these young guys can actually move into the spot like Crow did back in the day. Last one from me. I can envision Kane going somewhere else. Is Taves the kind of guy that would move, or is he a I'm going down with the ship, I'm in for better or worse kind of guy? I don't know. I I really don't know. I've never asked him that question. So if if I'm Jonathan Taves and you have a few years left on your contract, you weigh your options, you see the possibilities, you see the teams you can go to, if that's something you want to do, and if you want to stay with the team and and Stan tells you, hey, this is a rebuild and we're going to have to take some lumps and we're going to see it through and see if it comes out on the other side as another possible winning team, then that's on John to make those decisions. But I I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens too, again, with Kane, Keith, and Taze. What are they going to want to do? What are the best fits for them on, on other hockey clubs? So uh, I'm interested to see what happens as well. Steger, pump. Sorry, go ahead. Well, is, quick, who's winning the cup? Tampa oh, right, Bay. Yeah. Tampa. Well, I have Tampa Bay, Colorado in the finals. I think Tampa Bay can repeat, especially because Kucherov is going to give them a little infusion. What do you think, Rat? I try not to predict because when I pick football picks, I go zero for five on weekends, and it's disgusting. But uh... That's why I, I like to ask people that might have a clue, because clearly I don't know anything about picking winners and losers. So, Vegas. Hey, is Rhett, la- Vegas last is year, February, or was it end of February, I did the old Charles Barkley guarantee Tampa Bay. It was a real hard guarantee, right? One of those really hard guarantees. So, I'd like them to find that clip one day. I I don't know yet. I'd like to make my guaranteed pick more near the trade deadline. So, I, by then, I hope you have a pick for yeah. me. Vegas. I'm going with Vegas. All right. Hey, Steger, great to have you on. Looking forward to having you during the course of a hockey season. We haven't really had that, but we're looking forward to it, That's man. True. Good visit. Enjoy uh, enjoy the games tonight, and we'll talk to you in a week. Awesome, guys. Go Flames. Thanks, man. There he is, Christopher Steger. 
What a beauty Christopher Stieg is, hey? Love that he's a part of uh, the, the group out in the mornings. Uh, that's going to be a weekly thing, as they mentioned, and it'll be nice to have him uh, during the hockey season. We got a couple things cooking for uh, for Hockey Central at noon. I don't know if I'm allowed to announce them yet, so uh, I won't. Because, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, there are some people who can get away with that. Uh, you just heard from one of them. I'm definitely not in that group logo. Because kind of kind of got to wait for the boss man to, to make things official before I'm doing it. But uh, Chris Versteeg, joining the boys on the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for takeout and delivery. When you are tired of cooking, call 403-248-3344. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Uh, a little bit of news coming out of the National Hockey League today as we continue here on Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have named Mark Stone the first captain in Vegas Golden Knights franchise history. This makes a lot of sense. Uh, a, you gave up a lot to acquire him. B, probably your best player. C, um, you know you got him for a long time with the, the contract. So, Logo, uh, this, like, Mark Stone screams captain to me. I've never been in a locker room with him and probably won't. But just from everything we can garner from the outside, this move makes a lot of sense to me from a Vegas Golden Knights perspective. Well, I think it does. And it's interesting because it's not like the other some of the other candidates who were uh, bandied about or you'd think about, you know, oh, Pat and then you remember, oh, wait, they were thinking about trading him a few uh, months ago, and they've made some changes to to guys, and we've had conversations about how this team hasn't really, you know, stuck around with loyalty to some guys, and maybe that might be rubbing some guys the uh, the wrong way, whereas it seems like this is, you know, one of the guys that they're going to hitch their wagon to long-term. He's got a huge contract that nine and a half million dollars for the next little while. And uh, you're right. He does seem like Kevin. I, I think you could have made a case for Petrangelo um, going in there as well. But I think stone with a, a little bit more time in the organization makes a lot of sense. And um, it, it's uh, a good uh, choice for Vegas going first, the first captain in, in their team's history. Yeah, that was one where, like, you, you hear that. It's like, really? But I guess it makes complete sense. They wanted to, to wait on that one until they found the right guy. And I, I firmly believe they have found the right guy. I, I think that the, just the world of this dude as a hockey player. And I think, uh, again, from all the things we can see, checks all the boxes uh, in terms of being a captain. From a, a flame standpoint, we got the last lines reveal before the team makes their way out to Winnipeg for the season opener tomorrow. Uh, we don't necessarily have to read through all of them logo, but was there anything that stood out to you? Anything that surprised you? To, to me, um, Dylan Dubé up with Kachuk and Lindholm. I love the idea of that grouping. I've talked about my want for Manjapani being up there. If, if it's not going to be Manj, and if, if he's going to be with Backlund and then whoever they're going to have on their other side, I love the idea uh, of Dylan Dubé continuing his progression with Lindholm and Kachuk. That, that one really stood out to me. Anything standing out to you? That was the the main one, I think, that, you know, we've seen all these different combinations and we're one of the young guys in a Manjapani or a, a Dubé going to stick on those top two lines if you, you want to number them out. And as of right now, he does. He's the, the forward with Kachuk and, and Lindholm, and that has the potential to be a really good line. We see Levo with Goudreau and Monaghan. I was interested to see that that was the fit there. And we've had the discussion even yesterday that, you know, you and me are a bit differentiated. I like that they're they're doing the pairing things with Manjapani and Backlund, so I'm okay with Man staying where he is and, and helping to spread out this lineup a bit more, but I, I think Dubé offers you some freedom there 
to to go out and do some different things and hopefully get that progression out of one of your uh, young forwards here. I, I was going to say prospect, but he's not a prospect anymore. He's an he's an everyday NHLer, and you want him to take that next step. I think in the return to play, he showed you, look, I can be an effective bottom six guy. He held that role with with Bennett and Lucic, and that's great. But I mean, you're getting ten minutes a night out of them there. That's you know mm-hmm. not maximizing your potential by any means. If he turns into a legit top six forward with Lindholm and Kachuk. You're pretty damn happy if you're Brad Living, you're Jeff Ward, you're us, you're a, a fan of the team. So if you think that he's shown you enough to to earn that spot tomorrow night in Winnipeg, give him give him every opportunity. I think that uh, he's done nothing but grow since he's he's made it to the NHL. Let's see if he can take this this next big step that has a potential to be a really nice line. No, I, I agree. Um, and, and I like Lucic, Bennett, and Nordstrom, I, I think still fits the need of what that line can do uh, with Bennett at center. Like, I think that's just your crash, bang, boom line. And then Nordstrom can help out on the penalty. And, yeah, and even well. that, I think it's more like that whole line was more about, to me at least, was more about Lucic and Bennett getting the yeah. most out of themselves than it was Dubé. Yes. Like yeah. if Lucic no, I... can can pull Bennett into the fight every night sort of thing, you know, so to speak, not literally pull him into a fight. Um, but and you can yeah, get some of that Sam Bennett playoff Sam Bennett because Lucic is going to bring him into that sort of attitude and that game style, then that's enough for me on that line. And you can adjust with Nordstrom or Simone or Ryan or whoever. So, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. A lot to cover as we go along, but again, the the National Hockey League season starts tonight. Five games on the schedule. One of them gets going on Sportsnet 1 in a couple hours with Pittsburgh taking on Philadelphia. The Habs are in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Tampa Bay faces Chicago. Uh, By the way, the Montreal-Toronto game is on Sportsnet West, as is Vancouver taking on Edmonton. That's an 8 o'clock start. And then at 8.30 this evening, it is St. Louis taking on Colorado. We have a lot to get to as the pro program rolls along today that this is going to be a very busy day of previewing uh, across the um, across the shows as we get ready for the start of the regular season and get ready for the start of things for the Calgary Flames um, as they get things going tomorrow. That's going to do it for the program today. Thank you to Lubo. Thank you to Versteeg. Thank you to you for tuning in. The one o'clock hour coming up next, a preview of the night's action in the National Hockey League. What do we expect from the Flames and who are some of the teams not in the Canadian division we have an eye on? We cover all of that in hour one of the big show next here on Sportsnet 960. The